Well, hello, folks, and welcome to uh, Chapel Chimes. This is Dallas Payton, Jr. I'm the host here of Chapel Chimes, a ministry of Cook's Chapel Baptist Church, and we are excited. We are glad that you've tuned in today or downloaded. I keep saying tuned in, but uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and we're so excited because we have an interview today uh, with someone who I think has a very unique perspective, and we're excited speaking with him, and I have with us today the pastor at, um, I'll let him introduce himself, Brother Martin Wickens. Brother Martin, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. I appreciate the invitation to join you on your podcast today. Thank you, Brother Martin. Tell us a little bit. I know it's, um, I believe it's Bedford Bible Church, and uh, i tell you what, I'm going to have a word of prayer, Brother Martin. I'm going to just let you introduce yourself. I don't want to uh, say the wrong thing here, and uh, we've kind of been in contact, and we think we've got the technology right here, and we, we hope to have a good podcast today. But I want to have a word of prayer, and I've got a few questions I'd like to ask Brother Wickens. He has a unique perspective, and we're excited about it. And uh, you can follow us on now on Twitter and on Facebook. We have an Instagram page, everything on Chapel Chimes. But let's pray, and then I'm going to have Brother Martin introduce himself. Lord, I, I thank you. I praise you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, now that you'd be with uh, this podcast today. I pray to be an encouragement to somebody that would be a help to somebody, and we'll give you the praise and honor, Lord, now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Brother Martin, I've known you now for several years. I began knowing you through Helps Ministries, and I want you just to kind of introduce yourself to, to those who may listen to this podcast and tell us who you are, where you're at now, a little bit about maybe where you've been, and then we'll just kind of go from there. All right, sounds good. Uh, well, as you said, my name is Martin Wickens, and I'm originally from the south of England. Grew up in a town uh, about an hour southwest of London. And uh, at the moment, though, I'm a pastor of Bedford Bible Church in uh, southwest or south central Pennsylvania. Been here for about two years. Amen. Amen. So I knew you were there. Uh, my first contact with you, I believe, was through Helps Ministries. Did, were you with it helps have something to do with your church there in England at one time, I think. Well, I had uh, the church I was pastoring at the time when I met you, uh, I believe it was Brinton Baptist Church. And yes. Help Ministries, uh, I've had connections with going back to, I think it was about 2006, maybe. Um, okay. And and they they did what they do. They, they opened up opportunities for me to come over here to the States and to raise support and awareness of the need for missions work in uh, my home country. And uh, that, that's when we first made a connection uh, through help. Right. Amen. Well, Brother Martin, I, I, I thank you for coming on today. And and I think you have a unique perspective, obviously, than, than a lot of pastors would have. Uh, now, you, you are in Pennsylvania, and it's Bedford Bible Church. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. And been there about two years. And you know, obviously, coming from another country, coming from, I, I guess, similar countries. But I, I just want to kind of, I, I think I sent you a list of questions. I don't know that we'll get through them all. I don't know that we should get through them all. <laughs> but um, I know um, you have a family as well. You have several, I think, is it, uh, you tell us about your family a little bit. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, my wife is originally from South Carolina, and we met on uh, a missions trip. Her, her pastor was my my pastor's send in church and uh, they used to come over every summer 
And so we met through that. Um, you know, I, I like to say that her parents told her to pick up a souvenir and she found me. <laughs> um, and we were married uh, back in 2004 and the Lord has blessed us with four children. And, uh, you know, I praise the Lord, yeah. their transition coming back here to the States or coming here to the States uh, has been blessed. You know, the Lord's already been good to us. Um, and so, yeah, we, my wife and I have been married uh, coming up on well, 17 years now. And it's it's been, you know, uh, a series of ministries we've worked together in throughout the United Kingdom. And uh, I think it, it has helped certainly prepare me for the place where I find myself now. Amen. That, that, that is wonderful. The Lord sounds like he's been so, and I've kind of kept up with you from afar. We've reconnected uh, on Twitter and I know, you know, I invited you to come on because I, I've, I have enjoyed um, you, your Twitter thread, as they say. And if you, if you're not familiar with Twitter, that, that will make no sense to you, but, uh, but I've enjoyed that. And, 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 you know, I've also, and, you know, you and I, have, have seen this on Twitter and we're living in a world that's different now. I know you've got a unique perspective, been married 17 years, been in the ministry now for a while, been in two countries. And, and I just, I wanted to ask you just a few questions today on our podcast and just get your perspective. Uh, first of all, give us a little insight. And, and I know, I mean, it's going to be your opinion and, and it, it doesn't matter if it has statistics. I just want to hear your perspective. I find it very interesting coming from the UK, which I know the UK is a diverse place. I know, you know, whether you're from Southern England or Northern England or the city or the country or, you know, you know, Cornwall or Wales or whatever. I know that there's different perspectives, even in England, but what, what give us some of your thoughts, brother Martin on transitioning. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but coming from another country, even though obviously there's a lot of similarities as English speaking people, but, Tell us some of the some of your thoughts on coming here, good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, the the way the Lord has led in my ministry, we, my wife and I, we've moved several times. Um, initially, we helped with a, a Bible study in the south of England uh, near a town called a city called Bournemouth, um, and we were endeavoring to you know form a, a Bible study and grow into a church. But the Lord redirected us. We we spent about a year there. And then we moved to Northern Ireland and in Northern Ireland, I was involved with a small church plant called Faith Baptist Church. And we agreed to stay there until we could find a, a national pastor to hold, hand it over to uh, a Northern Irish man, which we did. And from there, we went to Northern England. We went to a city called Sunderland and we worked in a, a very historic church there. The founding pastor of that church used to swap pulpits with Charles Spurgeon. Um, so huge amount of history there, wow. a, a very different setup, but um, still with the same goal of, of using a central church to plant churches in the, the surrounding areas. Um, we spent about two years there. We saw the work built up and were able to then move on. And at that point, uh, I returned to the church I'd grown up in. My pastor was kind of getting older and I wanted to just get alongside and support him however I could. And about that time, though, the Lord moved him back here to the States because he was an American missionary from northeast Georgia. Um, so we then spent seven years in the south of England. And, you know, I say all that to say that we've we've lived in several locations, you know, very, very different places, moving here to the United States Again, very different to where we were before. 
and and I think God has helped me to see in those transitions uh, what's what's vital in Christianity to be ready to learn about what's cultural, um, what's what's a good cultural thing, what might be a, a negative cultural influence. Um, and as the church, I think, in the United States at the moment is going through massive upheavals alongside the, the nation itself, um, you know, I think it's helping me to try and lead my church through this time. And, you know, so that's that's kind of, I think, where my background is helping me in the place we're at at the moment. Hey, man, I, I tell you, that, that <laughs> what a story, brother. I mean, that's just... Uh... I find that incredibly interesting. Once you say the name Spurgeon, of course, every Baptist preacher <laughs> in the world, you know, it, it perks our ears up because that's just, you know, he's kind of the of the legend to most. Even other denominations love Spurgeon. I mean, who doesn't love Spurgeon? But, but so that, that so you have a unique perspective. Then is let me ask you this: Is the church, and and, and I know this is your opinion. I know somebody could probably disagree. I'm sure, but. Um, is the church in England, let's say, or the UK, which I know, you know there's a difference in the UK and England for those who don't know, but um, is the church in England, we'll just use England, uh, is it similar to America? Is it, I mean, the, the feeling I have as an American, of course, I'm a hillbilly, I'm limited, I've never been to England, um, but, you, you know, from, from Southern West Virginia perspective, and we have British ancestors, of course, but, or Scotch-Irish ancestors mostly, but um, from from a southern West Virginia's perspective, it it looks as though the church in England is pretty cold, pretty distant from where it, obviously the the glory days of you know of, of Spurgeon, let's say. But um, is that correct? Are we wrong? Am I wrong? No, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, you know, many people in the United Kingdom, uh, you know, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, they would claim to be Christian. But it's it's only a cultural Christianity, and and in truth, you know, many of them would never step through the the doors of a church if it weren't for, you know, one of the big three. You know, some of the pastors back there I know they they refer to them as Hatch, Match, and Dispatch Christians. Um, they're not really Christian at all, but you know, the Hatch, you know, when they're born, somebody will take them and they'll get christened, um, and then when they get married, they'll go back to church, so they're matched, and then when they die, they have a funeral, so they're dispatched. Um, that's good. That's good. I got to use that. I'm sorry. I'm not to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of them, you know, that, that's the only time they're in church. Um, now, there are good churches. There are good independent Baptist churches, and they're, they're faithful, and they're reaching out with the gospel, but they are very small in number um, compared to what you would have found 100 years ago. Now, is there a reason? I mean, that's, I mean, that's a complicated, I mean, there's probably been whole college courses taught on this, but can you summarize in your opinion, what the reason for that is? I mean, we know the sinfulness of man. We know, I, I listened to um, actually a guy from England sometimes on Twitter. He doesn't claim to be Baptist, of course, but Peter Hitchens, um, you know, he writes, he says that the church in England uh, really took a, I guess you'd say a hit to the kneecap, so to speak, after World War One and World War Two. That's his whole, you know, surmising. But do you have an opinion on why the church is, has went from, you know, the glory days of Spurgeon and the big revival movements, the Bible societies? I mean, on and on. And by the way, Spurgeon's not the only one. I mean, there's, there was great preaching, some of the best preachers 
uh, in the world were were British preachers. Um, can you do you can you surmise what or, or summarize I should say what 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 happened? Yeah, I think you know Spurgeon went through what he referred to as the downgrade controversy. And right. I think that was a big right. theological shift. There was there was compromise around the authority of the word, uh, and I think within Christian circles, that's where the the rot really set in. You know, they they no longer allowed the word to be the authority over them. There was a growing movement um, that, whether it's it's liberalism or um, you know whatever, whatever the title you give it, but all you know, men started to determine what authority was rather than submitting themselves to the word. And, you know, Spurgeon fought that and he, he suffered for it personally, a, a, you know, to a great degree. Um, and then on the back of that, so, you know, the family structure was already struggling as churches are no longer standing for the truth. Well, then came World War One, World War Two, and you had whole generations of men that were, were just wiped out. And so then you had the family unit breaking down. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not against, you know, women working and being outside of the home or anything like that, but there was a massive shift where within a, a matter of years, um, the family unit was no longer what it used to be. And the underpinnings of society just began to collapse while well, you go on then from world war two and you had a lot of suffering, but then you had the economic boom and you had materialism that came in and, a vein of attack running all the way through this was increasing humanism because of evolution being taught. Um, and, and it just combined, I think, to bring uh, the, the church to its knees. Um, I think outside of the church, you had, as a nation, it, it was losing its underpinnings, you know, for as long as I can remember. Um, and, you know, before my lifetime, there was a, a growing movement to, make the British people ashamed of what they'd accomplished in history. Um, and right. with that came a loss of identity. So, you know, I, I think just the enemy was attacking on every level. So there was no faith foundation to the nation. There was no family unit. Uh, there was no national identity. And so people turn to whatever they can. Um, and it's just brought more problems than I think anybody could have ever imagined. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, what you just summarized, that's exactly what from what I and I've studied some, you know, most Americans study some of England. We're kind of infatuated by the royal family here and all that. So I've and, and it is very similar to what's going on in America today in that the great history of the British Empire, the, the you know, the the fantastic Navy, the brilliant literary uh, I mean, accomplishments, all those things. And you hear very little. I mean, if any country could brag on who they are, what, especially what they have been, it would be England. And there's kind of a uh, an international shame on England thing that's went on. Like you said, it's went on my whole life. I've never, you know, the British people ought to be a proud people. Not proud in a in a sinful way, but like, hey, look, <laughs> I've been a been a lot of great things. I mean, America is birthed out of England. I mean, you know, on, on and mm -hmm. on you could go. But um, that's a that's a great summary. So. So is, is, is where America is at today, and I know these are complex, very deep questions in a sense, but is the American church, from your perspective, is it similar? What is the differences? Do we have hope here to not end up? Or are we just 
like like most things with Britain and America, we're just a few years and we're going to be the same way. Yeah. Well, um, what's your thoughts on that? I think the the cycle in church history does tend, tend to be you have a, a time of coldness and drifting away from truth. And then you see the people turn into the Lord. You have a revival uh, amongst God's people. You see an awakening and then the church booms. And then I think the cycle starts again, kind of like with Israel in, in the book of Judges. Um, I think the, yeah. the main difference yeah. between what happened in the United Kingdom and what's currently happening in, from what I've observed here in the United States and from what I've heard other pastors saying, I think the difference is going to be at what point the decline stops. So in the United Kingdom at the moment, they estimate that, you know, less than 10% of the church on any given week will be, or less, less than 10% of the country on any you know given month will be in church at some point. Now we're not talking about, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, we're talking being in church once or twice a month. That's less than 10%. Um, and when you dig into that deeper, you're probably only looking at about two or three percent of the country that are genuinely born again Christians. So although you might have 70 percent of the country that claim to be a Christian, the ones who truly are born again is, is just a tiny amount. Um, with all that decline, you had churches closing the, the Bible colleges over there. You know, almost every single one of them, the big colleges are not going to teach the, the word is as you and I would want it taught. And and so the decline just got to the point where many places don't have a genuine gospel witness, um, false teaching with Pentecostalism and everything all, all just crept in. So I think the difference that you can have hope for here in the States is that there's a much stronger base to begin with. Um, and, and so wherever you can catch that decline by the grace of God and see it, turned and, and go back in the right direction, you know, I think that's going to determine exactly how bad things get. Wow. That's good. That's good. And of course, you know, and I know you, you said your wife's from South Carolina, which that's part of the, of, of the, of the infamous or famous <laughs> infamous, depending on your perspective, uh, Bible belt. And I mean, there's churches, I'm not sure where she's at in South Carolina, but most towns in South Carolina, I mean, there's churches on, I, I was an assistant pastor for a while in South Carolina and, and, you know, it's a very, it's a deep South kind of a Protestant mm -hmm. Christianity stronghold in the world. And, and so I'm assuming that probably in the South, and, and of course you're in more of the North, but, but that part of Pennsylvania actually has quite a few churches as well. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. That? Well, when my wife grew up, she was in Greenville. So she, she was, um, <laughs> she was in the, right. the bucket. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned health yeah. ministries earlier. I remember, you know, several times, you know, having national pastors from Kenya or parts of South America or wherever it may be. And, and we'd jump in the minivan on a Sunday morning. And I remember one occasion sticks out to me is one of the, I think it was Brother Lal from uh, Myanmar. And we were driving down the road and he saw a sign for a Baptist church in a big white building. And he said, are we here? And I said, no, no, it's not this one. And we kept driving like a mile down the road. There was another one. And he says, oh, we're here. And I was like, no, no, not this one. And we went past like seven Baptist churches before we got to the one we were going to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very different down there. Where I am here in Bedford, there, there's a lot of good, good Bible-believing churches. Um, 
now we we're officially in the north we're about 35 minutes north of the mason dixon line and i've driven past the sign right. numerous times um and and so again that there's there's a blessing of a good number of churches um but i think even within those good churches there may still be a bit of a complacency um and it's not that they don't care it's not that they're not reaching out with the gospel but i don't think they're looking far enough ahead not all of them but some of them um i don't think they can see what's coming down the line right. Right. And, and, you know, that, that brings me to something that you said. And, of course, if anybody that is a student of Spurgeon, um, he, he and you said this. And I want I want to kind of segue this into my next series of questions, because, you know, you have a unique perspective that, that I think is just really tremendous. I find it extremely interesting. Um, you know, the UK versus America versus North versus South. I mean, all these are really very clear markers as far as understanding humanity. But, but you know, Spurgeon had his downgradeism and the famous writings that he did about that, that, you know, Spurgeon took a, and, and a, I think some people don't understand, a very really risky, I guess you could say, unpopular stand at that time. Um, and the downgradeism, in my opinion, is very similar I won't say it's exact because I mean you got culture and time and everything involved, but I, I think it's very similar to some of the compromise that is going on in our churches and has went on in England, obviously, and we see the fruit of that. But I wanted to kind of segue into because in America now, I'm seeing as a pastor, I've been pastor for 22 years in in the hills of southern West Virginia. We're in between. We're not really southern, but we're not really northern. You know, West Virginia has a unique kind of spot here but uh, i'm seeing that we are and are we i guess i i think we are i may be wrong i don't want to overstate it because i think downgradeism what spurgeon's talking about is a little different than what we're seeing but is there some similarities in the what seems to be the compromise in the church and you know you and i've been on twitter and there is just a battle between even baptist brothers on you know, a lot of things that don't really matter, some things that are very serious. There's a big attack on the Bible, traditionalism, which I know has been totally attacked in England. You know, people don't like the monarchy, not really because they're against the monarchy as much as it, the tradition mm -hmm. that it stands for. And is what is your perspective on what's going on? Like, for example, on Twitter, you know, you and I've kind of, you know, we've chimed in on some, as we think about Chapel Chimes, we've chimed in on some Twitter threads and and man, the hyenas come out if you're not careful. And they are really our brothers in Christ a lot of times, or at least they, they claim to be. Uh, is this similar to the downgradeism? Are we seeing glimpses of the American version of that? Or am I overstating that somewhat or, or maybe understating that? What, what is your thoughts along those lines? I think there are, there are comparisons to be made. Um, and, and ultimately, it comes down to what we allow to be our authority. Uh, you know, Spurgeon, of course, was was taking a stand that ultimately I think even his own brother, you know, voted against him in, in some meetings and discussions on the issues. Um, and a lot of people today, they, they don't want the idea of authority. Um, and, you know, I think there is a, uh, a strength that is found in submitting to those authorities and, and guidelines that we have from 
our traditions, which, you know, are healthy things that are helped to us. And I think a society around us is trying to throw off all kinds of, uh, you know, restraints and, and society around us, you know, in the United States, I think there's a great problem with people not really knowing who they are as a nation. And so instead of being for something, they end up being more against something. And I think there are elements of that that bleed into Christianity. So they, they don't allow the word to be the ultimate authority. They want to try and be more acceptable to society around them. Uh, they want to have academic recognition, I think, often, instead of having uh, you know, real fidelity to the word itself. And, and so then I think people become untethered. You know, it's like a, you know, a ship in a storm without an anchor. It then just gets blown around. And, you know, I've, I've been in ministry, you know, nearly 17 years now. And just the amount of, of shifts I've seen, you know, sometimes it's on a pendulum just going from one extreme to the other. Sometimes the move is, is slower. Um, but I think a lot of Christians don't really have any secure grounding. And it's it seems to be accelerating. Yeah, and you know one of the things that and I, I know you you and I've kind of reconnected on mm-hmm. the platform of Twitter, and some people that some people that will listen to this don't know about Twitter. Twitter is a is a word driven social media platform. I think that's why preachers are a little drawn to it uh, more so than the, there's a lot of preachers on Twitter. There are not as many on other social medias and. But one of the one of the things that I've noticed, and and I've studied quite a bit of the downgradeism that that, that Spurgeon dealt with, and some of the things that he battled, and, and he was very he took a very strong stand, and even today, um, there at uh, the church that um, uh, you know I think it's Pastor Masters, it's still there at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. You know, he's they still are very concerned. Now they're reformed, they're mm-hmm. they're Calvinist in doctrine, but. But they are they still take a separatist stand there from what I can gather. Um, and, it, you know, they're still trying to hold, I guess, one of the places in England. But but I've noticed that that on Twitter, for example, and some of the interactions you and I've had with folks, I've been a little shocked that how far and how fast, you know, I know we've got this recovering. We've got this um, these blogs and these websites, these podcasts. And I've been shocked how quickly and how far. In fact, my experience as a preacher and as a pastor is totally different mm-hmm. than everybody that I'm hearing. But yet, but yet here, when I talk to you, a man who obviously has a totally different experience than I have, I mean, literally born in England, you, you and I have more similarities than they do. And, and, and I find that very, that's kind of funny to me that you and I would be more similar, even though we're from two different countries originally. Than, than some of the guys mm-hmm. who really live down the road from me. And, and I just, I just find that. Puzzling. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you mentioned before about issues being complex and, and I think there's a lot going on with, you know, some of these other groups. Um, and I think the, the problem I see on Twitter is uh, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of bandwagons going around and, you know, one person will start something off and then people jump on that bandwagon even without fully understanding or really empathizing with what's going on. Um, I think one of the dangers of that is it's a, it's, it's a small, um, a small portion that seems to have a, a bigger voice than it really needs. And, and so then you end up with people writing off the entire of the IFB 
group whether you know they they try and treat it like it's a denomination like it's one uh one group when it's not you know the the i is is important in that it's independent um they're all independent of each other and and so they they take it they wipe out the entire group um and i think they get caught up more in the movement than constantly going back to the word and then saying what does the word say and i think that's something that Spurgeon tried to do and, and just really, I think, ingrained in the DNA of uh, the Metropolitan Tabernacle where he was, is that you you bring everything into submission to the Word of God. Um, and, and I think what I'm seeing today is a lot of movements and and, and they they do, you know, they, they make some good points, but I think sometimes they, they get distracted by their own agenda. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, one thing about I don't know how it is in, in in Great Britain, but one thing about Americans, we do love a bandwagon. I mean, we're we we are kind of prone to. Um, where I, whereas I do think the British people as a whole are like, ah, we're going to hold off on the bandwagon. Where Americans do, we tend to follow. Hey, everybody's going that way. Let's go that way too. You know, uh, and 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 that's kind of what you see. And I, I find I find it to be disingenuous to to say that like here you are you pastor a church that that's a bot which i mm-hmm. guess is probably independent in doctrine but yours is not really an independent baptist church correct i mean it's a bible yeah church. it's um, um i found a lot of the bible churches around here the ones i i know and fellowship with closely in looking at their statement of faith their practice their way of being um there, there's virtually no difference and actually the church i'm in here um, right. I found some old business minutes from 1989, and I think the church voted to identify as an independent fundamental Baptist church, although it's not, you know, these days it's not on any of the literature or the church sign, but in in doctrine and practice, um, you know, the, I, I see no difference from the 120-odd churches I visited here in the right. States from Florida up to Vermont. Um, so, you know, we're not strictly in that yeah. circle, but yeah. in, in doctrine, it's the same. Yeah, and I think I, I would venture to say, and I've never I've never even been to your church, but I venture to say that our Constitution and our just everyday services are probably identical. Um, just the only difference mm-hmm. is the name on the sign, which I, I find, Brother Martin, in America is very common. I mean, most Bible churches, now some community churches will, will kind of go a different doctrine. But most of the time, if they say Bible, in fact, a lot of Baptist preachers that I know will call themselves Biblicists, even over Baptist. They say, look, I'm Baptist by doctrine, but I really hold. And, and, you know, one thing that you've said throughout this podcast is, and and I think, I think it's why people are so drawn to to like Spurgeon and, and really why I was drawn to the independent Baptist is the making the Bible as we Baptists will say, the final mm-hmm. rule of faith and practice, making the word of God the the issue. Uh, I mean, it is about the word of God. Let's study the word of God. Let's preach the word of God. Let's live by the word of God. Let's let's you know honor it. Let's uh, I mean, let it be our final rule. And and I think you know when you when you hear Bedford Bible Church, I mean, obviously Bible's in the name, so you're mm-hmm. like, well, hey, that'd be a church that that you know we that we really ought to be a part of. And so, and what I find, and I'll ask you this question because, you know, one of the things that, that the crowd that really said that, you know, the, the big cry is, is that independent Baptist or, you know, the Bedford Bible churches of the world are bigoted and they have weird standards and weird beliefs. 
But I, I don't find that to be true. I find this to be a dishonest claim across the board. I mean, like you said, it, it's just a few people. But but in reality, the majority are like the Martin Wickens of the world who are just wanting to preach the word, love people, win souls, and, you know, do what God's called them to do. That's that's what, I mean, you've, you've viewed that, like you said, in your, in your time yes. in America, correct? Yeah, I, you know, I find that there's a lot of groups now. And again, I think it's always been this way, you know, social media for it's good, at, you know, for many things, but I think it also spreads controversy very, very quickly and, and very far. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of people make simple things complicated and complicated things simple. And, you know, they they endlessly yeah. will yeah. analyze and reanalyze and they always want to revisit, but they never actually land anywhere. And I think the majority of churches, um, you know, in rural communities and cities, whatever it may be, you know, we're just looking to get on with the work. And you know, sometimes our confidence right. in the word can be perceived as as arrogance almost. Um, I, I think there's a generational shift in that. I think you, the millennials are kind of on the on the boundary in some way. But after the millennials, you know, there's almost a uh, prestige about being uncertain and, and an unwillingness to firmly land on something and stand on that truth and then apply the principles and so when, you know, you have individuals like ourselves who we just want to get on and do what we're doing, we have standards, we have principles that we apply, um, it's, it's perceived in the wrong way. And, you know, so we come under attack. Now, is that a unique thing? Because now this is something I don't know, and I'm going to ask you just as, as an American and just as a, as a brother in Christ, is that unique to like the, you know, let, we'll just say Protestant or independent, whatever you want to call it. We call it independent Baptist, but, but is that unique to the churches in America? This whole thing of, you know, like you said, they'll have these controversies over, you know, pants and skirts and hair and music and Bible and, you know, lights or no lights or screen. I mean, this stuff <laughs> that I look at and say, what are they talking about? I mean, is that unique to America? Because I find that that's probably not going on in England or, but I have no clue. I mean, I'm just totally clueless in that. Is that, is that, is that in not England to the well? same degree? Um, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. I think the decline in Britain has been such that what Christians focus on has to be much more uh, focused. You know, there, there's just not the, uh, the energy right. or the numbers to deal with okay. some things that to a degree are, are peripheral. And I don't like to elevate one truth over another truth, but there are just certain things that, um, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just not on the radar. Really and I think really it's matter. a, right. it's a testament to the strength of the church here in the States that there were enough people who stood for certain things in the sixties and seventies and eighties, um, that, you know, they stood for good reason. They stood on God, good things, but sometimes there have to be nuances to, to an approach. Um, so there are certain things here in the States. I mean, one, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I, you know, pick on anything that'll, you know, get myself in trouble or, but, um, you know, the whole issue here with right. beards in certain circles, you know, Christians, Christian men for a time just had no facial hair. Um, which a lot of Christian men 
in England, they look at that and they say, well, actually here it's almost the opposite. You're more likely to find a Christian man with a beard than without. Um, you know, and that's not to say that Britain doesn't have its, you know, British Christianity absolutely has its own kind of issues and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, trying to think of the right word, um, kind of parochial things going on. But I think the degree of it and the amount of tension in it is somewhat unique to American Christianity. Yes, and it seems to me, and of course you're in Pennsylvania, but it almost seems to be, you know, the further you go south, the more the more of that is, the mm-hmm. more because the south obviously has more churches. Uh, but it seems like it, it it becomes almost the word that, and I looked up this word and was studying this word here some time mm-hmm. back. It's like sectarianism. It, it 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 is, you know, you don't, you know, y'all don't have your carpet the way we have our carpet, so therefore we're not going to you know, fellowship. I mean, just something just because people have certain, you know, there's the camp meeting style preacher versus the teaching type preacher. And, you know, they're, they're very critical of each other. Um, and it, it is very nuanced, but, but I find that it, but some of this criticism, I mean, I've been shocked at how hurt people are because maybe a pastor said you need to wear a suit on the platform or something. And they seem to be really, really hurt by that. And I don't really, I guess I'm having a hard time as an American thinking that is really what we're complaining about. And it, and it really is. I mean, and like you said, when I hear England, like they're doing good to have a Bible mm-hmm. in a building and having it preached. I mean, just gathering together on a Sunday, getting more than 2% of your population would be tremendous. And here we're in America, we're, we're arguing um, about things that are just so non-consequential, even though, I think I think there is, in my opinion, brother brother Martin, there is a kind of an underlying attack mm-hmm. on anything traditional, it's, and so it's a nuanced thing in the sense of it, it's somewhat like the downgradeism. Even though I don't think all these people that are against, you know, say the IFB. I heard one one guy say mm-hmm. he wishes the IFB ceased to exist. You know, that's a that's a pretty big statement, I think. But um, if I guess I'm just trying to, you know, coincide what, what all that's about. And then, and then at the same time, I'm like you, I think, well, Hey, just, let's just shut up, let them do what they're going to do, move on and, and preach and teach the Bible. And I, I, the reason that we've even started this podcast is because I'm afraid young men are going to think that there's no Martin Wickens in the world, that, that everybody is going that direction and they are going to get on that bandwagon. And when that bag, when that bandwagon stops, we're going to have a, a, you know, a countryside, so to speak, littered with the, with the, you know, the remains of what once was a strong mm-hmm. standing Bible believing people. Uh, and, and, and cause that sounds like it's similar. It sounds like to me, we're in the beginnings of what happened in England and somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you uh, know, and again, I think it's this idea that you can only be certain of a few things and then everything around it, um, you you know if someone else is certain about it then you you go after them and you know i think it's just a matter of there has to be a another look at what tolerance really means you know in in the wider uh society tolerance means you have to agree with me otherwise you're wrong and you know you can't be different to me um and i see that with some of these movements that are going on right now uh they they don't have any tolerance for what is is different 
And so through podcasts and blogs right. and sermons and whatever else, they are deliberately targeting independent, fundamental Bible-believing churches. And and it's really tearing things apart because they, they you know, some of them give lip service to say, yeah, we know there are good ones out there, but at the same time, they're attacking all of them. And they paint with a very broad brush with the error, um, but then they're very, very light when it comes to the the, the compliment and, and paint, pointing out when things are good. And so, like you said, the young men, the young women who have grown up in these circles, um, they see that it's, you know, the, the church they're in because of the title on the door is under attack. And they personally may never be able to say, well, I, I had this bad experience. I had this bad experience and my pastor is mean and all this. They can maybe never see that themselves, but they hear it being said so much. They say, well, my church must be bad as well. And it tears apart churches, it tears apart families, and, and uh, it, it's just sad to see. And, and so hopefully through your podcast and others, they'll see that there is there is this way forward without having to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Wow. that that is You just summarized, really, that, that right there is exactly, Brother Martin, why. Uh, what, what my thoughts are. I mean, I knew that, that we, we agreed on this and, and, um, and, and I've said this and I've said this about every time I've had a podcast. I do think that the, some of the scandals in the American church in the American Baptist church, the, the allowing of sexual predators to not be held accountable. You know, we have brought some of this on ourselves as a group. Um, I, I have been, very in that regard i'm on their yeah no, I've, I've appreciated that when i've seen um, you taking those stands and um you know with that though i think there's it's good to kind of look and say okay well is is the ifb different from the rest of society and i think you you know we can point to the catholic church to the boy scouts to um politicians and right, you know all right. all of this you can look at non-denominational churches and mega churches and you know, how many of them ended up falling because of, you know, sexual deviancy or, or just a, a dictatorial spirit. Um, and so I think it, it's very healthy to look at ourselves and say, OK, where have we, you know, as, as an independent, fundamental Bible believing church, you know, what can we do different to stop it happening to us or happening again? Um, but I, I think sometimes I I get concerned that by you know, some groups that only target the IFB, it's missing the point. The point isn't that the IFB is structurally wrong. Uh, it's kind of like saying that the police, that, that there's institutional racism, um, and then they want to tear down the entire police force. Well, you're then throwing out a part of the solution. Um, you know, the problem is the heart of man. The problem is the, the sinful heart of men and women. And so the, the solution has to target the heart, not just a single group. Yeah, and that's where I would say, man, it, you just, man you're hitting it, Brother Martin. I, that's where I would say, too, that, and you just brought it out here. And, and while we, while you, and I, I don't know a Baptist preacher. I just don't know. I and mean, I'm not saying they're not out there, but I don't know any that no. wants to look the other way when it comes to sexual sin. And, and the what the insinuation, and, and it's not just an insinuation. I mean, there's whole blogs and podcasts and websites or whatever you know that's out there 
and they seem to portray that the independent Baptists somehow are worse, like you're saying, than society. And and there, uh, number one, there's no statistical proof mm-hmm. of that. Now we all lament that it's happening, but let's not. But but like you said, let's not pretend that it's not happening. You know, at the at the local store or at the local high school or at the local. I mean, it's 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 permeated off society. What it, whether it's religious, whether you know, I, I remember when I was working in the workforce years ago. I mean. You know, it was the men that I worked with were, were having affairs on, on each other's spouses and things. I mean, it, it, it was just, you know, I realized like, wait a minute, this is, this is wicked. And it had nothing to do with church at all. And so, and, and I think, I, I think if you're not careful and I think young men look around and say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with a bunch of perverts. Well, I would agree with that, but it's, mm-hmm. it, it's disingenuous when we say that. Or when, when, you know, when that group says that about about any group, like, you know, we all know that not every Catholic priest is a pedophile. Mm-hmm. We know that. Now, the media would have you think that, but just by the sheer numbers. Now, do they have an issue and a problem? Sure. But but I, but I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that is one thing that kind of gets like it. And, and, and you're not even allowed to question it. Like, wait a minute. Let's let's look at this as a whole. And I think that's the negative of social media is there's no yeah. proof of any of that. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the at the moment there is a, a a move to make mountains out of molehills, and you know, I think churches are being shaken at the moment. Good Bible believing churches with some of the stuff that's going on, but um, you know, I think the Ameri- the church in the United States is also in a very strong position to be able to you know, stop the rot and be able to, to grow, you know, good churches like our own, are, I, I think, um, placed with, with a lot of, of hope. And, and that's probably a longer conversation than we can maybe do today. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, there are reasons to be able to look forward and, and see more of what we love and what we've experienced in the IFB, um, and and not what is is perhaps the more negative side that's being highlighted by so many right now. Amen, brother Martin. I tell you, I appreciate it so much. And and I, you you you've ended it here on a negative or on a positive instead of a negative. And and it is so true because there is hope when I hear guys like you that just get it, that understand it, and and I really believe that they are the majority uh, the, instead of the minority. Um, you know, we always try to look and, and try to own, you know, what part do I have to play in something that's, that's, if it's going the wrong direction. Uh, and, and in that regard, I appreciate some of the light, but I appreciate your spirit. I, I mean, I'm glad that that part of, of Pennsylvania, which is a beautiful state that, um, that they, they've got a great church there. And if anybody listens, you know, somebody's in that area, I would encourage them to go and visit and be a part of, uh, Pastor Martin Wickens and the great church there, and it sounds like things are going great. And if we we just need more of you, Brother Martin. It, as we close today, is there anything that you'd like to close by saying as an Englishman coming? Well, I would just encourage people to, you know, pastors, church leaders especially, to look further down the road. Um, you know, that there are threats, there are uh, issues there that need to be addressed. Uh, but I think with just some foresight and and just getting sticking with the word, getting back to the word or sticking with the word, there's a lot of reason to be hopeful. And I believe we can still see God do great things through this nation. Uh, And I think more than any other nation in the world, 
the United States is is placed to be able to do these things and, and bring glory to God's name. Amen. Brother Martin, thank you so much for being on Chapel Chimes. Uh, this has just been very in-depth, very honest, very upbeat, and thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to close with prayer, Brother Martin. We look forward to seeing you sometime down the road, and uh, folks, uh, again, if you want to, Brother Martin's on, he's on Twitter, he's on, he's got a great church there. If you want to reach out to him, be, feel welcome. Thank to you for having me on. Brother Martin, thank you so much. I'm going to pray, and we'll sign off here. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for Brother Wickens. I pray for his uh, church there, his family, his precious family you've gifted him with. Been so good to us. And I thank you for his good spirit, his good uh, demeanor. And Lord, I pray that you'll help somebody, encourage somebody that's listening today to stay by the stuff in a day in which there's a lot of compromise and a lot of things going on. I pray you'd help, uh, help us, whether we're in England, uh, maybe somebody listening back in the UK, we'll pray for them. But here in the U.S., we pray and around the world that your name will be uplifted and glorified. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. All right. God bless Amen. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Brother Martin. God bless you, brother.